Hey everybody, welcome to the Android Central Podcast. It's episode number 308 for Friday, September 30th, 2016. If you're joining us, if you're new, we do this most uh, weeks towards the end of the week, be it a Thursday, Friday, maybe sometimes a Saturday. Uh, and I have with me three di- very dynamic characters. We'll start off with Daniel Bader. Hi, how are you? Florence Ion. I am dynamic. And the most dynamic of all, ah. Mr. Jerry Hilde- Mr. Jerry Hildebrand. How are you doing, sir? Mr. I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Mr. Alex Doby? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a busy week. It's It's been a... a we're, 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 let's just jump into what we're expecting of the, the whole Pixel Google hardware craziness next week. It's... Uh, that's uh, after after weeks and weeks of concentrating on Samsung and that whole um, quagmire that they found themselves in. We're now moving into that's such um, a kind the, word, quagmire. Well, I love yeah. that word. Yeah, almost like I should write words for a living. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, it, we're moving into Google hardware territory. And actually, I think this week in particular, with the way the rumor mill's been um, been churning, uh, suddenly we went from expecting two phones to maybe expecting a whole lot besides two phones. Um, so we have the Pixel and Pixel XL, uh, and a whole lot of very rubbery things besides that. And the big one to break this week, and I'm going to jump straight into Jerry here because I know he he's going to love to to dive into this. Is this whole Andromeda thing? Yeah, it's great. I've been using it on my Chromebook <laughs> Flip for about two months. <laughs> so uh, this is the the sort of rumored uh, merger of uh, well kind of semi merger of Android and Chrome OS that's been that, that kind of dates back so it's been I mean the rumors have been around for as long as the two operating systems have been around but um it kind of built momentum last year with the, the report from the Wall Street Journal that uh it's going to finally come to a head and in towards the end of 2016 we're going to see the first like preview of this and it'll be a proper production thing that you can actually see on devices and buy in 2017 so um what is your take, Jerry, on, on the rumors around this, that it's going to be like this is the next stage of Android for the desktop, maybe for tablets as well? I'm still I'm convinced this is what Google is calling Android apps on Chrome. Uh, there's nothing that makes me believe it's anything else. The thing with uh, referencing a Nexus 9 in a test the only thing that surprised me about that is that it was the Nexus 9 and not the Pixel C, because, of course, you want to see how this whole entire thing would run on your tablet. That's a way to try to sell more tablets. Uh, it's <sighs> Google's weird. I mean, we all know this. They They make up names and kill projects, and it's, you know, it's fun to go overboard on the stuff, but... I I really think we've got we're setting expectations that just aren't going to be there uh especially when we start diving into the code we're doing a lot of cherry picking and ignoring a lot of other stuff that just kind of negates the fun parts and yeah, but that's our job we're you know we're supposed to get everybody excited Google's probably glad we're doing it but really I I think that this is Google's long-term project and what we're seeing now with, you know, you can put the Play Store on a handful of Chromebooks. This is the first part. And they probably want to get it all refined and make a, a, a single consumer product that they can sell themselves under their own 
you know, with their own branding. And that could be this uh, laptop that's supposedly coming out at the end of 2017. Maybe, you know, maybe that's their their goal date. So hang, hang on a second. Does that, I mean, is this like some crazy notion that Andromeda potentially is less like Android and more like Windows in a sales fashion, in a distribution fashion, that they could actually sell this and license it and make money from well, it? Well, they, they, well, they, they, I don't know about the, the monetization of Chrome OS, but that comes from Google. If Asus or HP makes a Chromebook, that's, it's different than Android. It's comes from Google. They, they, they build it. You know, they work together, but HP isn't taking source code and making it themselves. So this would be a way to bundle more applications into that. I, I don't know if you want to strictly say this is a desktop operating system. I think more this is more of a, you know, tablets just, they, they, they've plateaued. Apple is trying one way to make a you know a new use case for a tablet and it's working for some people this is what google's trying to you know this is how they want to refine it you know this is a a, a tablet or a clamshell or a convertible doesn't matter what the form factor this works well on all three is a is a good end goal and it's you know maybe Apple is going for the power user segment and Google is going for the budget user segment, which would mirror the way they do smartphones. So, but that, that's all just a big guess. I don't want anybody to take any of this to heart. I think the thing that set people off was this, this tweet from Hiroshi Lockheimer um, a few days ago where he was put, you know, we just passed the eighth anniversary of the, the original announcement of Android in the G1. Uh, and he was saying that the, uh, the announcements on the, uh, the fourth are going to be remembered in the same fashion eight years down the line, which has everyone thinking new OS. Um, it has people digging up references to this um, this Andromeda thing, and then we had subsequent rumors about possibly there's this new laptop coming that'll be based on it. Again, uh, details kind of sketchy, specs supposedly in flux. Um, the OS was you know, rumored to be less of a merger of, you know, a, a strict merger of the code between the two, because that wouldn't really make any sense, more of a merger of Chrome OS features into Android to form this this separate other thing. Um, and then we had this this kind of, kind of out of left of field, I think it was 9to5Google that had it, um, this report on supposedly Nexus isn't quite dead, there's going to be this Huawei Nexus tablet that in some fashion will get uh, Andromeda this year, which is kind of stretching believability a little bit um, on a few fronts. But I don't know. Do, do we think there's room for for Nexus and Pixel to coexist? Because they are very much separate things, I think. You have the, the Pixel brand, which is all about, it's very much Google. It's, okay, HTC makes them, but it's an ODM arrangement. It's, it's Google's hardware made by Google, in quotes. Um, whereas with the Nexus thing, it's more of like a, it, it's a different software experience. So one, you don't have the Google UI and all the, the crazy circular icons and stuff. Um, but it's more of a partnership between the manufacturer and Google. So do you think those two things can live side by side, um, Daniel? Yes, period. I mean, I, I think there is something to be said for a dual narrative when a Nexus device comes out. You heard from uh, both LG and Google, what you heard from Huawei and Google. You heard from, and Google never had the loudest voice. It was it usually shared and was very happy to share the spotlight with the OEM partner. 
This seems like Google is asserting itself as a hardware manufacturer, similar to the way that Microsoft builds the Nexus, the uh, Surface, in addition to licensing out Windows and essentially competing with the um, the you know HP Spectre and other you know Dell. Uh, what the hell is that? It's Dell? okay. I don't know the names of any of them. <laughs> Inspiron <either>. and other <laughs> Dell random brands. But what's so interesting to me about about this potential split is that we thought Google was competing with Samsung and LG and HTC with now the Nexus really line, <laughs> but they're, yeah. they never really were. And now yeah. what we've been asserting for the last six years is actually coming to fruition. It's amazing. And it's kind of funny because uh, back when Motorola, uh, back when Google owned Motorola, um, there was always this sense of, of them almost tiptoeing around Samsung of, oh, they're competing with um, with, with their own licensees. And, and now they really are. And it's it's just like, well, they're, they're just kind of YOLOing it and, and they don't really seem to care that <laughs> they have a... They have a product that is is going to be priced the same level as the GS7, and is going to be very much a competitor to that. And um, yeah, they risk pissing off Samsung in doing that, but they just don't really seem to care. There's this there's this hardware division within Google that's doing their own thing, and um, yeah, it will be interesting to see how that work out works out on a few fronts. Because Go on, Jerry. I've been I've been thinking a lot about this, the, specifically the the rumor about the Nexus tablet. And a whole bunch of things clicked to me. We could never figure out what the Pixel C was for. Uh, now we're going to have Pixel phones. Well, we don't need Android developer devices to teach people how to build Android anymore. We just, we don't. We did up until, you know, the Nexus stopped being a developer phone somewhere around the Nexus 4. I think everybody's pretty much in agreement with that. But the people still, and the people, I mean both us as consumers and the people who write apps, we still need a reference device that is just, okay, this, every API will work exactly as written in this particular phone. And we Google as a hardware, and Google as a hardware company doesn't necessarily want to be tied to that on the pixels. Right, right. We, we still need some sort of reference device that, you can you can test applications on, but we don't need a Nexus anymore. We don't need a pure, bare-bones Android phone or tablet. Uh, they stopped. The, the I think the Nexus 9 was the last Android Nexus tablet, and they gave us the Pixel C. This year, they're doing it with the phones. The 6P will be your last Nexus phone. This Huawei tablet hybrid thing if this merger where they build android into chrome and i don't think it's going to be chrome into android uh you know if i can believe the things i'm told that was tried and it absolutely failed the security model isn't there to run chrome os inside of android but the security model is there to run android inside of chrome if we want to put that on a and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say this Huawei tablet will be a convertible device with a stylus. Yes, a, a, don't forget about the Huawei MateBook that they announced yeah. earlier this year with, the, with Windows 10 on it. It would make total sense if they just yep. use that manufacturing line and just like pumped Android on it. Or sorry, 
Chrome, Android in Chrome. <laughs> I'm just imagining a big dial that's like there's like windows on one side and Android the other. This guy's just like with a big wheel turning it from one side to side. I like that visual. If you're going to do that, you have to provide devices to the genius people out there that have ideas and the people who don't even know they have ideas yet to build the great app. You know, there there are some. The, the future of the next great thing is already out there in somebody's head. You just have to give them the means to to do it. And if you're going to polish up and release a system that, okay, here is the, the, you know, the Chrome application framework and, and, you know, here's the security model. And then on top of it and beside it, the way Android runs on Chrome is a little hard for laymen to understand but Android runs on top of Chrome and beside Chrome at the same time. And it uses the same hardware through a separate software layer. It's just, it's weird. It's different. You have to give them a device that they can do it on, a more open device than something like the the Asus Flip. Do you remember, you know, the fact that over the years, some OEMs have released reference hardware onto which Windows and um, Android ha- yeah. ha- have been loaded. And we see the Lenovo, uh, the Lenovo Yoga Book that was announced at IFA. That's a good example of a device that yep. both runs Windows and, and will run Android and sort of maybe was confirmed to be maybe sort of prototyped with Chrome OS. So there is turnkey hardware that you can incorporate into a device that will run on anything. I mean, a Qualcomm SOC has been certified to run on practically every OS out there, as long as it supports ARM instruction sets. So, you know, it's not difficult. And and maybe that's sort of this trend towards consolidation, the fact that because any piece of hardware can be designed in one way to run three or four different operating systems, Google is just going, well, then why don't, why don't we just make one operating system that sort of takes advantage of all of this hardware? Mm, I, think, I think part of it is we're trying to almost nail jelly to a wall here with trying to define what Andromeda is. We still don't know if, it, like, firstly, if it is even a thing. Secondly, if it is a thing, is it for every device category? Is it essentially the next version of Android that is going yeah. to run on everything? Or is it a separate branch of Android in the same way Android Wear is that's going to run on a specific kind of category of devices like convertibles and laptops? Right. I think your your long-term thing here is that this replaces the Chromebook. Mm-hmm. Probably, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not going to replace Chrome because basically it is Chrome. And it's, it's not, and it's not going to happen overnight because there are tons of right. Chromebooks out there that still need supporting. This, from just a power efficiency side, if if I'm right, that's a big if. This isn't something you want to do on a, a tiny mobile SOC with a tiny battery. You know, that's that's we're not we're not even close to that yet. But it could easily. And the more time I spend with the Pixel Flip, the more I tell myself this just needs done. You know, not as an afterthought. This needs just built. They need to re-engineer what needs to be re-engineered, build this all as one system, and then, you know, release it on the right hardware. And they're close. I mean, it's it's a good experience, but it could be so much better. And well, as far I, I interrupted as, well, you earlier. And, and real quick, Dan, I, I think what you said about the Lenovo Yoga Books is 
dead on. And that's what Google's doing with the Pixel branch. Mm-hmm. But you still need open hardware that, you know, not that you should be developing apps that require root or some sort of unlocking of anything, but you, you might need to do that to test and see what your stuff is doing. There are a lot of legitimate uses for completely open hardware. And Lenovo doesn't want to make it. And, you know, Google's going to have to if they want to let people, you know, experiment. Isn't that Huawei tablet that supposedly Andromeda is supposed to go on, isn't it supposed to be running the new Intel mobile processors? I hope so. Because then that would make it all together. Yeah, I mean, that would make it essentially like a Surface competitor. Do you think that this would be a Surface competitor? So the other rumor was that it would be a seven-inch screen. So that's that's not a Surface that's competitor. That's not that a may, Surface competitor. That may be competitor. wrong. Um, I, I almost no. hope it's wrong because the, what you're describing would be would be really, really interesting, especially the, the Intel side of it from for, for developers and stuff to get them working on, uh, on apps for, for Andromeda. But would it even be optimized for that sort of thing? Because I just think about, like, if we're going to have a stylus that's supposed to come with it. I mean, is Android really, I don't really think of Android as like the creative professionals operating system. And I hey, know the that's Galaxy Note 7 disagrees. No, yeah, I know. All the tools are there, that, but Flo's right. It's just, you don't, you don't use them. I mean, musicians don't use Android right. f- because of the, uh, the touch delay. Oh, don't get Jerry started on the audio <laughs> delay. <laughs> and sorry, Android. sorry. But that, We're well, not getting the, on that. <laughs> the kick there though, is that's all been fixed, but, Apple had way too much of a head start. Precisely. Nobody's going to change. And marketing so. around it as well. You know, they've already marketed the iPad Pro to creative professionals. And it's, you know, kind of hard to change that narrative when it's already so established. Well, and those people already have a lot invested in time and money on the, the platform itself. Absolutely. I mean, ugh. especially with Apple, because you know how they rope you in. They rope yep. you in real good. So there's also the other thing, if if this is the beginning of sort of the Andromeda era and we do see this this mythical Huawei tablet with it, with it running on, there's the question of releasing a new device with what is, okay, it's Android-based, but what is effectively a new OS? And you would think maybe that that's not really a very googly way to do it. They would want to probably give developers a bit of a head start beforehand before they just release this into the wild, which kind of has me, it gives me second thoughts about whether... If Andromeda does drop on this thing, whether it's going to be, okay, here's what we're working on. There'll be a developer, developer preview on this new Nexus tablet and also maybe the Pixel C or something. I don't know. I don't see Google just dropping a new product and a new tablet at the same time. I see it done like the Nexus One, except add a little bit of uh, the Motorola Droid into it, where Google gives 6,500 of them to developers at their next conference. And makes it available through a registered developer program to anybody who wants to buy one. Well, then I you just think if this... Sorry, go ahead, Dan. You, you assume that it's going to have a different development platform. I I hope it does. If, if we're right, and this is, you know, basically turns into what we're thinking of as Android for the desktop, we need to start fresh. We need to be able to use everything we have now, but... The user interface, the experience, will will definitely have to change, we and also can't. memory management and and the way apps mm-hmm. are written and stuff as well for a desktop. Uh, they've pretty much nailed that. With I think everybody here needs to go out and and have Dan buy you an Asus Flip and play with it. It is so much better than we all thought it would be. 
No. Which really gives me hope for the future. Flo, because have you used a Chromebook for an extended period of time? Sadly, I've never used a Chromebook, uh, but that's only because it, uh, it was never my beat, <laughs> you know, so. Well, then we have to rectify that because yes. I think everybody who runs Android needs to know their way around Chrome. I agree. I completely agree. I use, just for the record, I use the Chrome browser as if it were an operating system. Um, it is pretty much the operating system on my MacBook Air, for instance, and I have one of those tiny 11-inch ones. Um, most of the apps I use on that computer are built into the Chrome browser. I mean, that, that's that's the Trojan horse, right? That's how Google has made Chrome OS as accessible as it is, because basically everybody uses Chrome OS as a browser it's true, on their yeah. Mac or Windows. Well, it's right. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. we all, amazing. We, we complain about how much memory footprint and power it uses. That's because it's designed as its own application platform. Yeah, and you know what? I'd rather have all my memory resources going to the Chrome browser instead of having like seven different applications open on, you know, OS ten, which by the way, I've like never updated that laptop. Um, it's very banged up and it's old and I wanted to revive it and give it a little more life. So I just had the browser be the only thing on it and I can use everything. I can do all my work with just Chrome. Granted, it takes a little longer than if I had like, you know, Photoshop installed, but I can still edit photos. I can still like, you know, write stories for you guys, everything I need to do um, from the browser. Yeah, I, I work. I mean, I'm not on my Chromebook now, but uh, I sit at a desk with a, you know, a, a really nice Windows computer on it that dual boots Linux, a Mac mini that dual boots OS X and Linux, and a a big monitor, and instead I use my Chromebook. So you actually well, dual boot with Linux and OS X? Yeah. Of course you do. Why not? Why, Why am not? I not surprised? <laughs> of course. Well, no, I, I dual boot OS X on Linux because if you just hit the button and walk away, Linux starts because that's how all computers should be, but that's another <laughs> That's another podcast for another time. <laughs> So that's kind of the uh, the big mystery of, of what we're going to next week of the future of, of Chrome and, and Android and, and whether it's together, whether it's one being morphed into the other or the other way around. Um, but the other thing that, that we're learning more about this week and we're actually seeing more of uh, is this this Google UI on the new Pixel phones and the uh, a couple of shots that leaked out this uh, these past few days from Evan Blass we're seeing something that doesn't really look a whole lot like stock Android as, as we know it. This looks like a Nexus, except for that little thing and that little thing and that little thing, right? Like, that's the but, part that yeah, I find so interesting. Yeah. So the interesting thing is everything is a circle, right? That they're, they're kind of following on from what uh, what Apple's been doing with, with the rounded rectangles and everything. Uh, but, but do you know, do you know, but you need to know that right now, Everything on your phone, whether it be Nexus or it doesn't matter, if it runs Android, everything is a slightly not perfect square. Everything. It's transparencies. That doesn't mean all your icons are going to be a circle. Even if Google is stupid and makes all of their icons a circle, (laughs) icons won't change. 
I just don't understand with all of the icons that are in the Play Store, why the heck is there no like icon skinning uh, feature functionality built into Android? I, for one, would really appreciate that. After all, they want us to be together, but not the same. Well, <laughs> I don't want my icons to look the same as everybody else's. I want to have my own individuality expressed through them. Mm. And that's I get not what you're circles. saying, but there's no abrogation against installing a custom launcher or a custom, right? Uh, you know, icon pack, and <sighs> and there's no there's no. I mean, it's not like this is an iPhone where you can't buy another Android device. Period. Right. So this may be. I mean, I I I don't want this to cause a huge flame war, but this may be Google's iPhone, and we can qualify that if you want. But God, I then, hope so. <laughs> then there are other, and, and I mean that in terms of consistency and security and performance, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And then there's all the other great phones out there between $100 and $900 that you can do whatever you want with. And that's what I really think Google's trying to do here. It's but the been, question is, it's, it's always been, you've had Google's Android, which has been stock Android, and this is not stock Android. So what is Google differentiating itself from? Is it Google? Is, is, yeah, is, is it just a case? I mean, I, I'm asking rhetorical questions here, but is it just a case of the Google's hardware arm differentiating, differentiating itself from the Android team? And if that's the case, then why is there even a design going into the Android team anymore? Google is a teenager. She's just trying to find her personality right now, the proper way to express herself through her clothing. Uh, and this is right this now is that, just... that, that clothing is all circles. Precisely, the clothing is all circles. It kind of looks a little bit like what the popular girls are wearing, the popular girls with iPhones, you know? So she's just feeling herself out right now. I just, what is stock Android? There's no such thing. (laughs) There's another another deep question. (sighs) Android is not a product you can install on a device. You, You know, you don't have to listen to us. You can say, oh, those guys, they're just bloggers. Go to XDA and ask the people that make the custom ROM you obsess over. They'll tell you mm. there's no such thing. You can't take stock Android and install it on a phone. You can't even take the stock Android source code, compile it, and install it on a phone and have that phone turn on. If you wanted it, you mean. That's right. Like for, for mm-hmm. anybody who gets a you know a gnarly UI and wants to just go stock, yeah. That's a good well, point. Well, yeah, it but but stock android doesn't it, it's an application framework a user interface and a a interface to connectivity hardware and that's it there's only you know 75% of what you need to to run a device is android the rest has to come from somebody else uh i think what we're kind of, the thing we're kind of dancing around here is the UI that's on the 6P right now is different mm-hmm. to what's going to be on the Pixel next week. Mm-hmm. Right. And people and are I, going to wonder what the deal is with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 just the launcher. No, it isn't, though. It's the, the colors are different. The apps are different. The icons are different. That's UI stuff, mostly. And there are some feature differences, too. Like, um, you can probably bet the dial is going to look different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the, supposedly the live support section. Um, there are UI differences, in I didn't know we respect, were allowed to talk about the live support section yet. That's been rumored for months. Oh, okay, because it looked pretty cool. But if anyway. you if you go to Google's <laughs> Play Store developer uh, suite, you can download 
90% of what makes a Nexus a Nexus, right? You can download a launcher. You can download the camera apps. So uh, well, Google no, wait, has been slowly right. breaking out what distinguished a Nexus from other phones for the last couple of years. Right, that, that's where I was going. You know, the, a, a Nexus isn't the Android open source project. It never was. And, you know, with, with the last two, the 6P and the 5X, it's very far removed. Not just the things we can see either. Under the hood, there's a lot of differences. So what do you reckon, Jerry? Uh, when this new stuff comes to the Pixel, is everything still going to be on the Play Store for you to download on your 6P or your Galaxy S7? Or is it just going to be this is Google's exclusive experience for the Pixel phone and, and everyone else can just go to hell because you, you don't have a Pixel, this, this is the Pixel UI? Uh, a lot of it that's already there is going to be updated you know, to at least use some of the new features that that came with you know i don't know what we're going to call 7.0.1 whatever it, it is the the underlying android update uh as far as the, the the colors and the settings and stuff no i really think that's going to be a pixel exclusive uh i would not be surprised if the launcher itself that that one it was already leaked i think we all probably have it on our nexuses by now We'll get that because it's easy to extract and leak, but it's not going to be on the Play Store. I think this is Google's, this is for our phone, just like, you know, Samsung makes it for their phone or LG or anybody else. And as long as they keep the same kind of mindset where, you know, here's the basics, here, here's what we have. It's not everything, but everything works really, really well. And if you need more than this, let me direct you to 1.7 million applications to choose from. If they keep that same mindset, I, I think everybody benefits from this. So Maybe. my question is this. We are acknowledging that the Pixel phones will have some, you know, arguably big differences in terms of UI. But from the spec sheet we've seen, it's a typical late 2016 Android phone running a version of Android like Nexus phones in the past that is not yet available for other phones and will eventually trickle down to existing devices. So where is Google's uh, unfair advantage? What differentiates the Pixel phone from the HTC 10 that I'm holding that nobody's buying or hmm. even some other great devices that are going to be half the price. You know, we've had half a dozen five out of five or four and a half out of five star Android phones released in the last two months. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. so curious as to why Google has decided on this now and feels it's the right time to start really competing against the Samsung's I mean, basically just against Samsung. That's the question the they have space. to answer. That's the question they have to answer next Tuesday. Um, I had an editorial to, the, to that effect yesterday, I think. The, if the marketing line for this is it's the first phone made by Google, then why should I care? Tell me why I care if I'm Considering an Considering it's not the first phone made 
by Google. <laughs> and it's, yeah, well, you yeah. Know, it, yeah, I know we're just talking yeah. about technicalities here, but come on, guys. Google's been, hit, you know, they've been releasing phones the last couple of years. How is this any freaking different from the last, you know, bundle of Nexus devices that have come out in the last, uh, what, five years? I think that has to do with details and the way that Google works with partners that we probably will never know. Absolutely. Um, you get the impression that with Nexus, as it was much more of a partnership, they were designed as a team with Google working very closely together with um, sure. the manufacturer in, in like an equal partnership. Whereas with this, it's like HTC is doing Google's bidding and they're the ODM and what Google says goes and Google's in the driving seat, if you get what I'm saying. Right. You, there's no, no more Google fighting with Samsung or NVIDIA or LG or anybody else. It's Google's mm-hmm. way or GTFO. Right, or yeah. the highway. Right. Um, it, it's it's sort of, I don't know. The thing is, though, the mainstream users, a lot of people don't know any of that stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So I could just imagine when this phone is or isn't announced, ne- is announced, whatever, when it is announced next week, uh, I feel like everybody's just going to feel like, oh, it's the next Nexus device. You know, I don't think there's going to be much of an aha moment where there's, you know, oh, finally, Google's like doing this seriously. They're finally going after Apple. I don't know. I, maybe I'm being cynical about it, but I don't I don't I, I don't think you are. I, I, I'm not. This may backfire on Google, but this is, you know, I'm probably going to get lynched for this. And you all go ahead and, and say what you want. But if if. Google stopped making phones and I had to use, you know, something from Samsung or something every day. I just use an iPhone. I don't want that. I don't want a kitchen sink and a Swiss army knife and a smartphone and a walkie talkie and an FM radio and everything else in my pocket. I want a phone that can do the things I want it to do. Great. Every time. And, and I want to I, I love you, Jerry. Point. But you are of such a small minority in the smartphone user space that, you know, I, I like the way that you think, but I also know that the way you think is unlike 99.9% I, I of smartphone so. users. I think you're absolutely wrong. I, I think I'm, I'm absolutely the opposite of enthusiasts. But right. go find somebody in the mall that has a smartphone. They're using it for Facebook they're using it for texting or WhatsApp or Snapchat or Instagram, and that's it. They're not. They're not. They don't have 210 applications. They're not playing with iris scanners and screen overlay note doodling and you know all this other stuff. People, th- those people that just they have the things they want it to do. They just want it to do well. I think those are the people that Google is going to appeal to. Well. Yes, but I also think that people have learned, they've been conditioned to believe that the best experience for using Snapchat and Facebook is on a Samsung phone because they buy their phones through carriers and people are incentivized at those stores to sell you phones for which they get a higher commission. I mean, let's be cynical about this for a second. The way you buy phones is completely bastardized, especially in right. North America. Alex mm-hmm. doesn't have that experience, and but that's, we that's do. That's the elephant in the room that we haven't gotten to yet is where are the carriers involved? Exactly. Yeah, the one the one sort of reliable-ish rumor that we had is that it, it would be at the very least on Verizon, which 
okay, and the Nexus Six I think was on Verizon. Um, uh, you know, and it was technically it, it, the it, Galaxy Nexus. Technically, yeah. The, well, the Galaxy Nexus was, but the Nexus Six was actually a proper Nexus and on Verizon. Yeah. Um, you just couldn't activate a new one for the first yeah. eleven and a half months. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that that was a bit of a mess. Presumably, that'll be sorted out, and it'll be you know, if you buy it subsidized it'll be you know locked down you won't be able to bootload or unlock it or anything and there'll be a distinction between that and the proper next the proper pixel where you'll be able to unlock it and flash system images and whatever else but the question is i don't think google is stupid enough to go with one carrier exclusive again you know a, I hope a, hell, of a, a hell of a lot of money would have had to change hands to uh, for them to jeopardize their start as a as a phone brand by tying themselves to one carrier. Plus, they've already been stung by Verizon before, and Verizon basically torpedoed the Galaxy Nexus. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. There's but so you much also, that we don't know there. <laughs> you also have to remember that pr- in previous years, exclusives were largely due to the limitations of CDMA and HSPA Plus baseband, right? So... You know, Qualcomm had to make two distinct chips for Verizon and Sprint yep. and AT&T and T-Mobile, and that's no longer the case. So for them, for the ODM like HTC, it's much easier to create a single SKU and sell that phone to all four carriers at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you've got to remember, if HTC is an ODM, it's it's Google that's doing the selling to carriers, not HTC. Right. Sorry. I, but it's the same rules apply. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's... But- it's, it's not just important that it works on the big four in the, in the U.S. and the big three in Canada. It has to be available there and on a monthly payment plan or it's doomed. Can I ask you guys a question? Do you really think that – this is kind of to Jerry's point earlier, but honestly, do you really think that the mainstream would notice if Google didn't announce a phone this year? Probably not. Probably not. But I, that, that's what this is designed to change. This is this isn't them saying, "Okay, we're going to do another phone. It's going to be a bit different." This is meant to be the start. Okay, we're Google and we're making hardware now. Yeah, Just Monday wonder- night football commercials and billboards in L.A. That's they're not screwing around. You I just wonder if it's too late, you guys, because like. Everything I see on TV is Apple and Samsung commercials. I just wonder. I mean, I think it's a really lofty, great thing that Google wants to do. I mean, but they should have done this years ago. And I know I feel like that's going to be something we're going to keep saying, like they should have done this years ago. At least that's how I feel. But that's how I feel about it. This (laughs) is is it too little too late? I guess the sales numbers will show. That's that's a big debate. I mean, does do, do, do quality and features really sell a phone, or does yeah, marketing sell a phone? I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted by all these rumors about like, here's what's coming out with the phone. Here's the great thing that's coming out with the phone. Hey, let us tease for you why this is going to be such a great phone. But I'm like, uh, there's like 12 other great phones already available. It's yeah. I mean, yeah. Give me one good reason to go, you know, especially with the experience that I'm having right now with my 6P. Like it is, it is so hard to use, um, probably because I've never like, I haven't factory reset it since I got it last year from the last Google event. Uh, I definitely abuse it, um, you know, but that's how people use their phones. Hello. We use them every day. We We drop them on the floor. You know, I'm 
a busy person. I don't have time to just sit and like reset my phone all the time. I need to just like keep going and keep working. And, and I'm sort of thinking like, why would I want another Nexus if I'm having all these problems with the 6P? Well, and Yeah, you wouldn't. The Nexus wasn't designed for you. And maybe that speaks to why we've had Nougat like two months ago um, and Google's had time to maybe iron out all the kinks that normally would ship with a Nexus for their own phone. And maybe that is what's going to be a little bit different this time where it's more polished. Uh, yeah, you can buy it in a carrier store, but the experience is that more polished and it's not like your, your Google's beta tester. That's so unfair though. <laughs> That's so unfair to consumers. Yep. You know, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I know developers, 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 they keep the platform going, uh, but it's so unfair to consumers, especially if you're trying to, you know, sequester yourself from your partners. But we've, we've been at this for so long that we, we tend to I think this is, this is, the Nexus is a normal thing that comes every year, whereas it's never really, it's, it's been this unique thing in the industry where it's two companies working on it together, which is, is unusual. Um, there's, there's always a bunch of software issues in the early days. Uh, okay, you get that with the iPhone occasionally sometimes, but Nexus has been notorious for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now maybe it's just like, okay, we're Google, we're making a phone. Um, they control everything from top to bottom. Okay, they work with ODMs and stuff. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe this is just a case of it's it's Google controlling things so there are no more compromises in the sense that you had with a device that is made in partnership with someone else. And maybe it is as simple as that. Yeah, which is why I'm like, why do we have all this hype for this super simple thing? We get it. <laughs> you're making your own hardware. It's cool. All right, keep doing what you're doing. I don't know. Maybe but okay, I'm- so here's here's the flip side to that, right? Yes. Nobody knows that Google, nobody in the mainstream knows that yeah. Google is, Google releases Nexus phones. And yet we have billboards in Times Square telling us to look forward to October 4th. We have people who never would have thought of Google as a company that actually has anything to do with the galaxy in their hand, now on the verge of hearing about this in the mainstream media. So, you know, just like BlackBerry was back in the day, Google is trying to assert itself as a consumer electronics company, whereas they've been... You know, they just celebrated, what, their 18th birthday or 20th birthday mm-hmm. or something? 18th, yeah. You know, they've been known up till now as a as an ad company. And it's very important. The distinction there is very important because as maligned as Apple is for its software, to some extent, it's known as as a hardware and software as a, as a single unit, right? Microsoft, even, with its Surface products, to a lesser and if extent. you want to go to the other extreme, Google, uh, f- for most people, it isn't necessarily associated with anything that, uh, f- to start with physical products, and uh, if you want to take that to the extreme, anything that you would actually pay money for. Oh my yeah, God, to, that's such to, a good point. If, that's if such you a good step, point. Step away from, you know, the, the more technically inclined, you can use the word millennial, whatever word you want to use, and you step to people that, you know, don't pay attention, maybe don't live in a city, maybe aren't young anymore. Google is the internet. Something to do with the internet. They're everywhere, but it's all internet stuff. Google's in the, Google is the internet overseas. Yeah. But I, I also have a hard time taking this idea of Google as a hardware company seriously, considering like I've been using, you know, Allo and that whole thing is based on, you know, Google's initial business model, which is 
looking at words and delivering things related to those words. I can go the opposite side, though, and say I look at Google as a hardware company because 70% of the kids in school in this country use a Google product at their desk every day. Another good point, though they're not mm-hmm. developing the hardware. Right. I mean, it's it's where, you know, how, how, how you think of Google is, I think we all are just different there. This week's episode of the Android Central Podcast is brought to you by Harry's. We've mentioned Harry's before, and we're super thankful that they keep coming back week after week. Harry's makes great razors for less. Specifically, they charge $2 per blade compared to the $4 or more you'll pay for those other brands at the drugstore. Harry's five-blade razors are awesome, and they include a softer flex hinge for a more comfortable glide, a trimmer blade for those hard-to-reach places, a lubricating strip, and a textured handle for when it gets wet. I've been using Harry's, and I love it. It's really nice to finally have soft skin after a shave. And there's no irritation. Five blades, yeah, they actually work. Harry's was founded by two friends who wanted to offer a great shave at a fair price. They even went to Germany and bought the factory that they had hired to make the blades because they liked them so much. That's why Harry's can produce high-quality razors themselves and sell them online for half the price of the drugstore brands. Quality is always 100% guaranteed, and if you don't love your shave, Harry's will refund you. So how do you get started? How do you try Harry's? Well, if you want to and you are listening to this podcast, you can get a great deal. All you have to do is go to harrys.com and you can get a starter set for just $15. That includes three precision-engineered five-blade cartridges, moisturizing shave cream, a weighted razor handle of your choice, and a travel cover, all for $15. And for a limited time only, there's another special offer for fans of the show. But what do you do to get that? Well, all you go do is you go to harrys.com, and at checkout, you enter the code AC. That's harrys.com, and enter the code AC at checkout to redeem your deal. Okay, back to the show. I mean, that's the, I, I think that's another part of this whole project is that Google is trying to take all the bits and pieces of its story and bring them all into one place, right? Because they yeah, realize I, that mobile is the future and they understand that this phone is a lot more than just selling it to a bunch of, you know, white people in North America, Right. Right. And, I, and I mean that as, as a very broad kind of like, we are very focused on the North American, kind of middle-class North American market. But Google is increasingly focused on developing nations, on delivering low bandwidth, very targeted products. And I think back to the announcements uh, at the Google in India um, summit this week, where Google announced YouTube Go, it announced a low bandwidth version of Chrome, Everything's offline supported. Everything is meant for, you know, limited bandwidth networks. And then you look at the rumored price of $650 and you wonder, why is this phone 
so North American centric. If the North American market is so saturated, that it's so difficult to make an impact here because the carriers already have these relationships. Why are they not selling this for Nexus 4, Nexus 5 prices and really making an impact in places like India and Nigeria that still have a huge growth percentage in smartphones? I think it's, it's different strategies for different markets. You still have they're still trying to push Android One in in India and countries like that. Yeah. And, and to a certain extent, if they if they can work with local OEMs in those countries and preload things like Allo on phones that are going out there, then that's that's a good strategy for them there, and it helps them build up a user base and scoop up all the data and do everything else that they want to do. Um, in, in Western markets, it, you're right; everything is more saturated. But I think they've they've realized that. Um, the way that the way those markets are going, basically, you can control the software to a certain extent, but you control the the software to a to, completely if you also control the hardware. That's what Apple discovered decades ago. So that's what they're trying to do now in, in North America and Europe to a certain extent. Um, I think with the, starting with the Pixel line and probably continuing into next year with with tablets and laptops and whatever else. I yeah I, I you know I I'm I'm going to go on record and say, yeah, that there are going to be new Nexus One devices that may have a little bit more Google front and center on the hardware itself. But, you know... You mean the, Android One? Yeah, Nexus One, Android <laughs> One. But anyway, we could talk about the Nexus One. Uh, oh, please, yes. It's it's the software strategy that Google has for developing nations. Uh, I mean, I, I know... Dan has been to Africa. Uh, I, I've been to Western Africa. We've got Harish that lives in India. There are a lot of places that just you have an hour, two hours of Internet a week, and you need to make the most of it. That's where Google can benefit themselves as well as benefit the people on the software front. They just need somebody who can push out the hardware cheap enough that people can afford to buy it and you run their software on it. On the West, you know, we laugh at Allo. We don't need Allo because we all just can send texts or whatever we want. We don't care. We're not getting charged. It's not something that we can't afford. So the software isn't going to phase us. I mean, maybe they think that they can provide premium hardware to entice us a little more. I, I don't know. But, okay, so Android 1 as a project has been criticized for not doing enough to push sort of clean, unfettered Android in we- in developing markets. And it's it's actually been scaled back. And there it hasn't really been in the news very much, but, um, you know, it, it hasn't... I don't know if it would be considered a success, right? So I, do they rah. need to pull a pixel on the on the android one project or is it just I, no because you can't you google doesn't have the scale to do that and they can't make the devices for anywhere near um you know with margins that, that they would need to to push things out in those countries um i i would love to see google their next you know financial get together thing say hey guess what we're going to lose about $4 billion this year because we're making a $50 phone that gives a great experience for India and Brazil. Well, I don't think it'll ever happen. Hello, Project I'd Ara. I'd love to see it. Right? Don't well, forget, mm. Ara, Ara got shuttered, and it, that was the promise of the $50 phone. 
Yeah. By people who didn't understand how it worked. I'm sorry. No, you're right. That's, but uh, but that was that was Google's own line. That wasn't <laughs> that wasn't some you know yeah wasn't a blogger saying that. I mean, from, Google right. was talking about how eventually the Aura project would allow for a pretty decent fifty dollar phone, and that's the reason they were launching in Puerto Rico as a as a pilot. They're just yeah the, the hurdles to even begin before you start to. Think about how you can make it into a $50 device where just every engineer at Google probably just face-palmed. <laughs> they said <laughs> that they were actually going to release that because, you know, I, there are smarter engineers there than I am, and I knew it was never going to happen. So, engineers, developers, we have a new developer preview of Android Wear 2.0 today, which is... Uh, comes with the news, shockingly, that it is going to be delayed until next year. Um, I mean, kind of not surprising if you actually look at the roadmap and realize that we were two right. previews in and had three more to go. Um, uh, the, you know, the current previews are kind of janky. Um, there have been a few trickling out since I.O. Um, not entirely surprising when you also realize that there are no, there's no new hardware coming this year from LG, Huawei, or Motorola. So we're waiting on stuff. We're probably waiting on chip, new chips for Qualcomm as well. Um but yeah, we're probably not going to have, um, well, we're probably going to be stuck with the same old Android Wear devices that we had in 2015 going into 2017, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. But maybe not. Isn't that kind of the strategy that, I don't know, I feel like the Apple Watch was still, you know, still had its sort of edge amongst uh, iOS users for quite a while. And I don't think there's a lot of people as crazy about updating to series two. And I feel like that's just a greater indication of where we are with the wearables market in that, um, especially in the Android side of things, it got overly saturated way too quickly. Um, and I think it's, I don't think the software is offering anything exponentially amazing to really keep people using it. And I'm also just speaking from personal usage that I have my Asus Zen Watch 2 in my nightstand right now, just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this isn't, I don't think this is anything to get worried about as, you know, Android Wear as a platform. This is, Flo nailed it with people aren't going to be hyped to upgrade to newer hardware because there's no reason to just yet. Yes, it'll run a little bit faster. It'll maybe do this a little bit better. But when they get the software to the point where there's this awesome new feature, but it takes the new hardware to run, that, that's when people are going to be excited for the new hardware. I stopped using a fitness wearable as well, by the way, because I just, I'm sick and tired of having to rely on something that I have to charge every couple of days to track my life and you know it, it's going to take all the same statistics or whatever the same numbers that I plug into the app and make the same calculations that I would if I manually like logged my workout time let's just say like it would give me the same numbers whether or not I wore a fitness wearable so I don't know I'm, I'm kind of uh I, I'm a little cynical about wearables right now because I just feel like there's there's just too too damn many there's too many I'm just wondering if this probably six month gap that we're going to have between where a lot of people were expecting the new cycle of, of Android Wear watches to arrive, 
uh, and when they actually arrive. So we're going to be looking at maybe 18 months or more between cycles. Is that going to be, is that just going to kill any momentum that it might have had, do you reckon? No. I don't, I mean, you, Google once said that they, there have been one point something million Android Wear devices sold a couple of years ago, and then you don't hear a lot of numbers. But if you go to Google Play, it's more than 5 million accounts have downloaded an, the Android Wear app once or more. Uh, the way they count it is weird, but you can, 5 million people, more than 5 million people have downloaded Android Wear. Uh, that tells you they probably got, you know, close to 5 million devices in the wild overall in aggregate amongst all the manufacturers. And then you realize that momentum is a objective thing. It's Samsung will, you know, the Galaxy S7, they, they sold that in 20 minutes in Korea. It's, we're not talking outrageous amounts. I don't know. I we are. I, I think still trying to work out what these things are for, and maybe it is better to take your time and to get another six months months mm-hmm. of development under your belt and figure out. Okay, this is where, based on you know the past two years of experience, this is what we think Android wearable should be like. Here's some really great hardware to go with it, and then put it out there and see what happens. Well, I I think for the hardware manufacturers, it was genius to say, eh, we'll wait. Because if they release their new hardware in the middle of next year, there's a very good chance that, you know, the the, the latest platform, and, and in fact, even the Galaxy Gear is getting updated still. I mean, this these old watches struggle to run it, but the, the updates are going out. A developer somewhere. Live? Was yeah, the, the, the one they yeah. gave us at I.O. Wow. I don't know what version it's getting and what might be missing, but uh, I was scrambling looking at Android Wear documentation stuff today and saw a mention that the Gear Live update was now rolling out. I'm like, wow. But you, you get it out there and you get the enthusiasts, the you know part-time developers, hobbyist developers, and the big teams all working at it. Maybe somebody will come up with a really awesome thing that HTC or LG or Samsung can say, hey, check out our new watch. Look at this and show it on stage. And everybody goes, ooh, and ah, instead of just shoulder shrug, meh, looks like the last one. I literally just shrugged my shoulders when you were going, <laughs> ooh, and ah. I was yeah. just shrugging my shoulders in real life. <laughs> but that so is what, the, look, that's an important point because you can make the software as amazing as you like. It has to be about, you still have to, to solve this problem um, where you have a disposable technological thing with a, a fixed battery that's going to burn out after a couple of years inside a piece of jewelry, and also the fact that the tech, te- technology is stuff that you need is such right now that you need a massive battery to power all that stuff, which makes the thing big and unwieldy. So it's going to take probably more efficient displays and more efficient internals in the next year to get something that isn't just this this thing sitting an inch off your wrist that is actually um, like a kind of objectively attractive that people would actually want to wear. Why do you think the Gear S3 is just a bigger Gear S2? Because it's catering to the people who already buy smartwatches. Right, but it's 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 for the reason you just recommended. It's or for, just said it's for battery life. 
primarily yeah. Yeah. because people were upset that the Gear S2, as great as it is, only lasted a day and a half to two days. So now the larger 46 millimeter Gear S3 will last three days. And Barf. that's enough. That's enough. And what what's so interesting to me about the movement uh, in smartwatches is just how quickly it slowed, how the platform appeared to have matured overnight and people realized that most of the things that originally were siphoned off to your wrist are still so much better done on your phone. So let's just focus on the stuff that makes sense, which is fitness, it's notifications, it's quick replies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with this developer preview three that just got released, we see Google's actually in they're releasing a version of the play store on Android wear 2.0. Now, why would they do that? Because they've lost their freaking mind. Because well, that, but also they're because, anticipating cellular connectivity. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be standalone eventually. Yeah, yeah. And they, that's there's a also good thing. some people were you know they've already dissected the parts of it that they've seen before. There's some code in there that uh, in in the future a watch face is going to be a, a, a home screen. It's going to have you know it's going to tell the time as a background, and you're going to be able to install widgets and shortcuts on it. I mean, I mean, doesn't that, the Apple Watch already do that? I, and and yes, and and people will criticize the Apple Watch because that makes it not run as well because you're you've discarded the phone component completely and you're trying to run the Apple, you know, the actual application code on the watch. It caused issues, especially in the beginning. And now the same people that have criticized that idea when Samsung or Apple did it, it looks like they're doing it. For Android Wear, too, so... Yep, look, Android, the new version of Android Wear, the one that we keep waiting on, has the ability to add the notification, like, different um, notifications that you want to your favorite watch face, you know, if your favorite designer, you know, puts the code in for that, so you can choose which notifications to get, and I kind of see that, like, the home screen thing that Jerry is talking about, except you're just the one that is editing it and, you know, ensuring it, it remains relevant to you. So, I mean, does that mean that the hardware is going to be that much better that these people are no longer skeptical? Or does it mean that they gave in and said, well, you know what, let's do it because it turned out to be not as bad as we thought? Something. I think Samsung's idea of of how to – of what products to release very much hinges on what its people are asking for because they spent so many years sort of like putting out these devices that people were like, why are you putting all this extra stuff in it we don't want? So I think with the Gear S3, that was just another, uh, you know, evolution of that sort of, um, that, that I, whatever, it's the evolution of what Samsung's been doing. I think for Android Wear, as it comes from Google's wheelhouse, I think we're waiting a little bit. I think they're waiting a little bit, I should say, um, to have manufacturers just come out with like smaller watches. I think part of, you know, part of what's been going on this year is to try and get more like fashion brands on board with the idea of Android on the watch. And um, I imagine that in the future, it's, Google's going to try and do the same, you know, open thing it did with Android for phones for 
for jewelry, for wearables, you know, for things you put on your body. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And actually, the, increasingly, the fashion brands, the only companies actually, and, you know, to a lesser extent, like uh, outerwear brands like Casio, they're the only ones actually making Android Wear watches over the past few months, it seems. Yeah, and they don't, they're not even advertising it as like, it runs Android. It's just, hey, get our tech watch with like all these diamonds built in from Michael Kors or whatever. <laughs> so, but, you know, oh my God, that, don't, bring me, don't bring back that bad memory. <laughs> that would be kind of cool, though. I would like to see Android Wear be, you know, be smaller, portable <laughs> enough. No, I, I mean, the, the, the operating system itself. I, Dan will probably get a kick out of this. I wear an iron Canadian engineering ring. Hell yeah. And, uh, you know, when I, when I got my degree, it was given to me by my boss who was from Canada. I would trade that in. And it's a treasured thing because I really liked my old boss. Uh, not as much as I like my new boss, if you're listening. But I would trade that in for one that had some sort of feature that made my life better. Like a Captain Planet ring? Oh, well, hell yeah. Or Wonder Twins, or there's lots of, you know. But I was more thinking along the lines of it could unlock my front door when I step on the porch. But Captain Planet would be fine. <laughs> that is a great idea, Jerry. I completely agree with you. I would love, like, a nice, just a really beautiful, like, timepiece. Look, because, guys, watches are, it's a jewelry. It's an accessory, okay? That's why they sell them in the accessory section at Nordstrom, right? Um, it's it's an accessory to, like, what you're wearing, you know, for men. You guys are going to pick a watch that, like, y- you know, fits with your lifestyle. I want a watch that fits with my lifestyle. Um, I want something smaller. But I would love to have a beautiful, you know, fossil watch that I can wear out like to do my errands and then if somebody calls me while i'm out i don't have to have my phone on me i can just be in my car on my watch and say mom i can't have this fight with you right now because i don't have <laughs> my phone on me, hear me and everybody can watch. hear me and you're embarrassing yourself right now I'll, and all in front of all the, of cbs <laughs> i'll send you the android wear fossil watch that weighs as much as a macbook pro <laughs> uh, yeah i heard about that i'm yeah not happy about that <laughs> Well, well, I, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not sure the demand is going to be there for something that is that just recreates the phone experience on a tiny screen. Um, there, are, there are situations where you want that if you're out running or something, but I don't know. You're gonna have, you're gonna have to really want that experience, and it's, it's such a, a niche group of people that are gonna want to drop that much cash on it. I'm just not sure that is what's going to drive things forward for Android Wear. You, you have to find a way to strike the balance for Alex, who doesn't want a whole bunch of extra crap, just like me with my phone. I, I don't want it, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't, and you do want it. It's difficult to make a product that meets both needs and does a good job at it. I only make products for me because I'm right and everyone else is wrong. <sighs> That's why you write all the editorials. <laughs> um, so, I mean, let's wrap up Android Wear quickly. I mean, this is like the nightmare scenario is this, this turns into another honeycomb. Right, I think we're, we're probably past Aww. that point, but we're still we're still trying to figure out how Android is going to adapt to this this new, still quite new um, form factor, and we'll wait and see. That that probably will fit into the, the greater picture of Google as a hardware company, and, and maybe in the next six months we'll have some some new well, Pixel watches. That's what I was going to say. Do we expect a Pixel watch one day? Um, yeah, but not probably not anytime soon. I'm just thinking. Um, 
And not diamond encrusted. Hmm. Probably not diamond encrusted, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, On to things that are definitely not diamond encrusted. Um, uh, Blackberry. (laughs) Oh. Uh, That's uh, oil oil encrusted or something. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they're no longer making phones off the back of them not making phones for the past year, I guess, since the Priv. Um, it doesn't mean we won't get any anything that doesn't have a BlackBerry logo on it because they they'll be licensing stuff from TCL, um, the, the Chinese company behind behind Alcatel. But basically, the days of of things being designed and built by BlackBerry are over. End of an era, all the rest of it. I think Jerry, you're the you're the probably the biggest. Oh, well, I don't know, maybe Daniel. Uh, you, were you a BlackBerry fan back in the day? I was. I got uh, the bold ninety. Well, I got a Pearl eighty one hundred as my first quote smartphone and then, and then i traded you realized up to you the couldn't type on it i loved it i could type on it oh, like God. a madman um and then i upgraded to the bold 9000 in august nice. 2008 and that thing was awesome uh that was the most expensive phone i'd ever bought at the time it was like 600 dollars canadian and um at back then it was it was, you you signed three year contracts in canada to get a phone so I was so happy to sign my life away for three years for this phone. <laughs> and this was around the same time. This was just before the iPhone 3G came out. And BlackBerry had it good in Canada. So even though you could sort of see the writing on the wall elsewhere, we all had these colored you know, eyes that just did not see what was inevitable for this company that was relying on on non-touch phones, trackballs that you needed to clean every day. Um, Ew. No apps, no experiences other than fast texting and email and BBM. And yet this was the best and probably most comprehensive smartphone experience that you could imagine eight years ago. Because at the time, the iPhone was actually pretty dumb, wasn't it? It didn't do a whole lot. It was... The 3G debuted with iOS 2 and the App Store. And the App Store was deserted for six months. So, yeah, BlackBerry was very uh, confident, cocky even, until the iPhone 3GS. And then they started realizing that they needed to answer. And then we got the Storm. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I I, that, that's when I knew the writing was on the wall because <laughs> that's when I said, okay, this BlackBerry is going to try to compete on the multimedia side with this iPhone. And I bought a, I mean, I, I, I was there on day one at the Apple store in Virginia and bought an iPhone because I'm just a nerd and I had to look at it. And I thought it was pretty neat. I mean, you know, we had never seen a, uh, a touchscreen used in quite that way. We, we touchscreens existed and they were used on phones long before the iPhone, but it just was, it, it felt different and it was done a little bit differently, more responsive. It wasn't it wasn't, I'm sorry, the Blackberry that you're talking about, it wasn't capacitive touch, right? Uh, the storm, the yeah. storm was, oh God, no, no, it that was thing horror touch. Had I, yeah, four I remember touch points underneath the screen, mm-hmm. physical mm-hmm. touch click, points, click, click, I and, remember uh, that. Yeah. Sort of actually like the new iPhone 7 home button where you would yes. feel a physical click. Oh, actually, it's the opposite because it was a physical click, but it reverberated. The way that they did it was that they tried to balance it so that it reverberated throughout the entire phone 
but they didn't fix it until the Storm 2. So the Storm 1 only had four distinct touch points. And if your finger was far away from one of them, it would physically move the touch point closest to it. Sort of like a balancing board. And that's why using this thing and typing on this thing was the most horrendous experience you could imagine. It was it was actually offensive how bad it was. And uh, yeah, there's some serious... I've heard some stories about this product. They panicked. They put this together at Verizon's behest in like six months from beginning to end. This thing did not exist. And then six months later, it was shipping. And mm, that's why mm. it I, failed as I badly as it did. We can blame Verizon for the storm. Oh, yeah. I mean... It's at one point, uh, I, I believe there was a 16% return rate on the hardware. That means more than one out of every 10 was defective and, and the carrier accepted for a return. Oh, right. De- I, defective, not just offensive, but right. actually not only terrible, but not, terrible and not, also broken. I hate this phone. Give me something else, but this phone doesn't work. Uh, but but more more than the hardware, which I can excuse bad hardware. They did try to fix it, like like Dan, Dan said with the storm too. I didn't like the fix, but they they did try to do something. The software, they 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 thought they were going to be able to compete with a phone that was had all the cool stuff that the iPod Touch, you know, would turn into. You you could watch videos and. You know, YouTube wasn't around for the iPhone back then, but you know, you you could. It was better. You could see more. It was a big screen. It was color. It was, it was great. It it played your music. Uh, BlackBerry did not try to compete with that the correct way at all. They they forgot their roots and went in the wrong direction. And I think even the people that run the company can look back and probably agree with that. Oh, they do. They've publicly said it. The Two former CEOs no longer associated with the company sold all their stock. Once they were out, they started publicly acknowledging how badly they screwed up. Yeah. And there are books about this process. It's actually they're they're teaching these lessons in business school now Good. on what not to do in response to a competitor. Because mm-hmm. they essentially try to emulate the iPhone with a BlackBerry mindset. And right. That's that's just like the the absolute wrong thing to do. So anyway, let's get back to the <laughs> whole thing around BlackBerry not manufacturing their phones anymore. They weren't manufacturing their own phones for a long time. They've sold all their plants. This was more about a formalizing formalization of what had actually been happening for three years. And there may be one or more, one or two more phones that are released in 2017 that bear some BlackBerry DNA. And after that, it's all TCL or Foxconn or Pegatron or any other ODM that, you know, just gets into bed with BlackBerry. Weren't there less than a thousand people laid off as a result of this? Uh, Less than a hundred because they'd already already laid them all off. I mean, they've they've laid off over seven or 8,000 people over the last five years. If you kill an entire division and you only had to fire, lay off, the guys didn't get fired. Less than 100 people, that division was nearly, wasn't very big. Yeah. So to bring this full circle, um, we're talking about BlackBerry getting out of the phone business. 
But BlackBerry, if they're, if they're doing the ODM thing, BlackBerry is as much is going to be as much in the phone business as Google is right. doing their ODM thing. If yeah, uh, that that's. I mean, you can nitpick in terms of okay, um, maybe BlackBerry is going to be working from like reference templates from TCL, um, but neither of them actually has factory. You know, you know, BlackBerry doesn't have any factories anymore. There's no Google smartphone factory in China or anything like that. Oh, you um, can take that to the extreme and include Apple in there too. I yeah, mean, exactly. Um, and you know, the, there are differences there in the way the design process works. Right. And obviously, Apple is completely different because they design the the machines that make the machines. Um, and that's part of Johnny Ive's job. But um, yeah, basically, I mean, it, that there is a big difference between people who are in the business, people who actually own their own manufacturing, and then this very gray area of, of big brands that work with ODMs. But I, I think this is a good thing for BlackBerry. It's a this is a stone they don't need tied to themselves. I mean, they're 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 drowning. Well, they're and, a software solutions company, and you saw right. that with the release of Hub Plus, which is an Android productivity suite, not just for its own phones, but for any phone running Lollipop or above. And they're selling it for 99 cents a month as a subscription. And you can access all of the amazing apps like BlackBerry Calendar and BlackBerry Hub and BlackBerry Tasks. And even the (laughs) BlackBerry Launcher is available for other phones now. And you think, is this a viable business strategy for a company that wants to increase its software revenue by 30% by the end of fiscal 2017. If mm. this is stage one and they have a fallback, which they do they're in, in a lot of other spaces, BlackBerry's making a lot of money. Eh, no, they're not. They're making, well, they made $324 million in revenue. That was a 47% decline over the previous year. It's not making money and 91 million of its $324 million in revenue was from the system access fee that they get from BlackBerry OS devices that they stopped producing in 2012. So, yeah, this is not going to end well. And I'm, I'm saying this as, a, as somebody who wants BlackBerry to succeed, but things are going to get a lot worse before they get better for this company. But I think this is the only way they can do it. Uh, there are – you just made fun of the, the BlackBerry – application suite and i agree with you i i didn't I, make fun well, i am not you making were fun very, of it i you, think you, it's a great no i'm not making and let, let me be clear <laughs> about this because i think it's a very good product i think it is it's an ambitious goal for them to build revenue on top of a suite of apps that people get bundled with their phones it's amazing it's there's a lot of hubris in this and i don't I, i'm not saying that in a bad way I think that BlackBerry has no choice, and I agree with you. But I'm it's I'm not denouncing the decision to do this, and I agree that they had no choice. I'm saying that it is unfortunate that they are in this position based on the legacy of this company. And I wanna I just want to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. It is unfortunate, but it's taken a lot of I mean that they've had so many opportunities to turn it around. It's taken so many years and so many mistake after mistake after mistake to get them to where they are well yeah i mean it it wasn't too awful long ago that blackberry was a much bigger tech company that made a whole lot more money than google or yahoo so true you know blackberry's been around a long time they they have a, a a history and you can't say they didn't have the means 
to be Apple or to be Google. They just didn't seize the right opportunities and made some mistakes. But the application suite, they they hit it out of the park with the keyboard. Uh, they, they partnered with another company. I, I'm not sure if we're allowed to talk about that. Anything uh, we know more outside of, of what BlackBerry has said. So we'll just say they partnered with another company. I think we're allowed to say. It's another company okay. that makes that makes a keyboard that was bought by another large company. Right. So they, they didn't have to do a lot of the, the super nerd math engineering part that, that was done for them. You know, they, they still had to do some. I'm not discrediting their work. And they released a product that people just love. Everybody was trying to sideload it, see how to get it to work. People just love that keyboard. Well, okay, that's a product that BlackBerry makes that you can you can you can basically say everybody who used it liked it. People liked it enough to steal it. And it's great. It's a it, fantastic idea. And what's so interesting about it is that when it debuted on the uh, Z10 in 2013. A lot of people dismissed it because it wasn't a physical keyboard. But at the time on BlackBerry 10 um, software, which itself is built on strong stuff, and Qnix is, I could go on for hours about how amazing Qnix is as a division and how astute BlackBerry was when they purchased it. The, the keyboard is a very functional alternative to a hardware keyboard. It's just that at the moment, it's not that much better than Swift Key or Google Keyboard or any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, but uh, it's, typing but on it's, glass has, has got that, that good right now. The, that is basically no longer a differentiator. But I, I think you hit it on the head. It's just as good. It doesn't have to be better. It's just as good. There's nothing with the BlackBerry keyboard that makes it any worse than any of the other keyboards out there. They They aren't trying to use a gimmick to get you to try it. They're offering a great product that, that people like. Uh, you, you have to do more of that and less BlackBerry Task Manager because people on Android devices don't need another Task Manager. The only people who are going to love that are the people who are BlackBerry converts. And yes, you should serve those people if you can, but that's not where you're going to make your money. You you find the next big thing. And if they continue to work slow, I don't think they'll have to shut their doors. No, nobody's suggesting they'll have to shut their doors. As a as a company with a under billion dollar market cap, they'll be just fine. Yeah. They just released a product aimed at um increasing productivity for truckers. I mean, this is a company that what? Has no intention <laughs> To yeah, go, what? <laughs> exist in well, it's a log- we so they, they, bought, they bought a logistics company, and okay. they now turned the. It's called BlackBerry Radar, and essentially, it's it's a way to improve the efficiency of long range truckers uh, by optimizing a whole bunch of stuff in the logistics channels by utilizing Bez and BlackBerry phones and all this other stuff. And it's it's a it's a solution. I mean, BlackBerry's become a smaller IBM. They dabble in everything and they make strategic acquisitions and they have built it up into a subscription model that many companies go, okay, well, you know, I need XYZ. So I'm going to spend $50 a month for, for this phone and a hundred dollars for that phone. And, oh, okay, fine. We'll just outfit our whole company. Let's, let's spend $20,000 a month. And that's how they're making their money. I mean, it's a very different company than they once were. 
And they, they, I mean, they are the, the, when you get to actual embedded products, not, not a phone type of embedded product, but a thing that's just a tiny chip that gets mounted inside of something else. When it comes to security and when it comes to the architecture itself, as Dan said, they, they, they bought, you know, the, the act, the, the real time operating system that everybody uses, QNX was bought by BlackBerry. So they are making money on all fronts in a very quickly emerging market and not necessarily on the consumer side emerging. A lot of stuff you don't, we don't hear about in your car or in the train or on a plane or, you know, in the truckers, they making a little bit of money from the hardware. They're servicing, you know, all these companies with the software. They, they are expanding in a lot of other places, but from the mobile side, things just look really bleak. But they're, they're optimizing truckers, and that's good for them. <laughs> so uh, do, let's, let's put a bow on BlackBerry for the moment. Um, that's Mutual's wrapping things up. Do we want to talk about exploding washing machines, or, or can uh, we uh, <laughs> can we skip that this week? We, we can skip that this week, please. <laughs> okay. Just by the way, while while we've been recording this podcast, um, I just f- saw a article about exploding iPhone sevens. So yeah, just putting I mean, that out there. This is the thing. Well, it's Alex. It, I, I want to talk about the tablet on the airplane for a minute. Though. Sure, go ahead. You take it was a big tablet. Uh, there's a picture of it floating around. I think Alex used it this morning. What is that? An eight point nine inch or bigger? It's yeah. It's probably it looks well, possibly one of the Tab S models. The yeah. larger of the two. Yeah. And it was wedged in a seat. I'm going to tell you, without even seeing it, without doing anything, but but having to go to school to learn this crap, that tablet was probably bent, the battery was probably damaged, and that lithium-ion batteries are a whole can be a whole lot more dangerous than we understand. It mm-hmm. didn't catch fire because it was a Samsung. It mm-hmm. caught fire because it had a lithium battery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean your washing machine doesn't have a lithium ion battery, but it's also uh they probably it's also made do. uh well that's that it's not that that's blowing up though. Right. It? It's, yeah. <laughs> but up in the that <laughs> fancy Samsung washing machine certainly has battery backup up in the top. Yeah. Um yeah, so I mean it's it, it's a bad time for that, that washing machine recall to happen for Samsung. Um, yeah, if it was again, Kenmore, people are, Yeah. It wouldn't have been on Twitter if it had been a Kenmore recall. That's exactly and <laughs> It's <clears throat> it's bad for the brand. It's it's kind of funny because the the idea of a washing machine exploding is is kind of just inherently humorous. But yeah, um, I think hopefully Samsung is really going to be hoping that when when they restart sales of this, they can just brush it under the rug. And I'm going to stop before we start talking about Samsung. Jerry, where can we find out about you and uh, and anything that you may own that may or may not be exploding? Uh, uh, same as always. I'm, I'm I try to be on Twitter as much as I can, and it's at GB Hill, G B H I L. And uh, email is always a smart bet, and that's Jerry at AndroidCentral.com. And you find the things I write, you know, at our web pages. Cool. Flo, how about you? 
Well, you guys know I am super de duper active on Twitter at oh that flow. That's F L O. Um, also, you can find me on Snapchat if you want to see me talk to myself. Um, I do that often. Um, and of course, like Jerry just said, my inbox is a little lonely because I'm I'm brand new to the staff. So if you want to infiltrate it with questions about like. Any, you know, any phone thing, you know, maybe there's an app out there that you've been trying to look for. Maybe I can help you look for one, whatever. Just send me an email, flow at androidcentral.com. Cool. And last, Daniel Bader. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at journeydan. It's journeyman with a D. And uh, you can find us all and all of our Pixel Hype content this week. Pixel Hype. At <laughs> all about the Android Pixel Central. Hype. Damn you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, I'm at Alex Dolby on all the things, alexandroidcentral.com. Find all my stuff on, on our site, which is where we put our things that you can go and read and watch and all that stuff. Um, next week, going to be Pixel Week, possibly going to be a Andromeda week and a whole bunch of other things maybe maybe not we'll see um, but it's going to be probably one of the busiest and most exciting weeks uh, of the year for us in indie products so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that uh, pans out and no doubt people will have thoughts on that uh, possibly from any number of live venues next week we'll have to wait and see how we handle the podcast there um, but yeah for now that is uh, the last the last Android Central podcast of the pre-Pixel era um, we're entering a new age and it should be uh, pretty interesting but for now, um, we'll catch you guys later. Jerry, Flo, Alex, Daniel, thank you. And thanks for being uh, here. Have a good week. See you guys later. Adios. Good luck, everyone, with whatever you're doing in life. <laughs>